Hello, welcome to the Home Bible Study. Uh, it's been a little while since our last lesson, and I am very excited to be studying with you again. We've been studying the letter to the Hebrews, and we've made it all the way to chapter 11. Um, I've always uh, looked forward to being able to study this, uh, and also to be able to teach this, because whenever you're teaching and you study, it's just a different kind of study, and Believe me, I get as much out of it as some of you. So really excited about it. So we have made our way to Hebrews 11, chapter 7. We um, will do a little review uh, here and then we'll get right into the study, which I think is really important for us to understand what the writer is saying in context of the entire letter. There's definitely blessing in just these verses and this kind of little mini uh, Hebrew history lesson as uh, the writer kind of uses these uh, very well-known individuals to exemplify what faith looks like. And faith is multifaceted, right? Faith manifests itself in a, throughout our lives in a lot of different ways. It's, it's one faith, but the way that faith is exemplified through us uh, is different uh, for everyone, although it's the same faith, kind of like light. You know, we all experience light the same way, but, you know, light can be manifested in a lot of different ways. So faith is very much that way. And um, hopefully we'll kind of see that as we go through this study. So we're in Hebrews uh, chapter 11. If you want to open up your Bible and turn to Hebrews 11, we're going to start in chapter 7. Um, if I was going to describe Hebrews, I would say that Hebrews is the divine connecting or intersection point of the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's kind of the bridge that brings those two uh, in, in, in sync. Um, if Acts is the account of the beginning of the church, then Hebrews would be the Acts uh, for the Jew, for the Jewish people. Hebrews would be that, that account of the beginning, that transition from the old to the new. Um, while we as Gentiles are you know, you can describe us as the heathen being introduced to God for the first time because uh, the Jews have known God for a long time. He set them aside. He revealed himself to them through the law and the prophets. And they had a long history with God. And to the point that uh, their culture was surround, was centered in their worship of the one true God. And they became known by their relationship to God and all the things that he's done through them and in them. So we, on the other hand, are just being introduced to God. <clears throat> Hebrews, I think, is the uh, explanation of God fulfilling, bringing man closer to him than he ever did before. So um, man is... <clears throat> Man has been able to interact with God based on uh, the temple, the or I should say the tabernacle, and all of the um, 
things associated with that. That was our connection point, the tabernacle. And we found through the study of Hebrews that Jesus is the fulfillment of that tabernacle in many ways. And so we're going to see a reference to that tabernacle. That's why I bring that to your attention, because there's going to be a reference to that uh, in this verse that we're going to be studying. So kind of keep that in mind. So now we're at the point in this letter of the writer elaborating on faith. Everybody knows Hebrews chapter 11, you know, the roll call of the faithful. It's been called a lot of different things. It is all about faith. But now we have to understand that this writer is using these historical figures in their lives to exemplify what faith is. The faith that we today must live by, right? So he's given us different examples so that we can find ourselves, our own lives in the lives of these people because God is the same today, yesterday, and forevermore. So the way that they interacted with God is the way that we interact with God, and it's through faith. So he's going to give us these examples of faith uh, through the, uh, giving us kind of a history of the Hebrew people. Um, and he's going to tie their history to the story of the Lord Jesus Christ and his current ministry. And the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. That's what we have. That's where we are in the revelation of God to man. So first we saw um, in verse 4, we, we saw Abel. Abel was the first martyr. You know, he was martyred for his faith. Um, we saw that that has been, unfortunately, a part of... Uh, trusting God throughout the ages. There was a time where it was at its all-time high. You can read books like the uh, Fox's Book of Martyrs, and it'll tell you about different ones who stood their ground, who believed God and held fast even unto death. And we see that exemplified in Abel. We also saw uh, next Enoch. Uh, we saw in verse 5 about Enoch and how that his life was lived as one that exemplified a life of faith. So much so that God took him. Enoch being the first believer that was raptured. And we know that the rapture is one of the next prophesied events that are to take place. And it could take place at any time, even while I'm doing this. Uh, study or why you're listening we could be raptured if that doesn't make your heart skip with excitement then it should okay because um, we could be in a blink of an eye with our Savior in eternity so now we're going to look at verse uh, 7 in verse 7 the writer is using Noah as an example and he's going in chronological order you know starting with uh, Abel, then Enoch, and now Noah. So he's going in chronological order, which makes sense. Uh, the life of Noah, I think, is probably pretty well known. I can remember one Christmas, I couldn't have been, I might have been in the third grade, maybe. And one of the Christmas gifts I got was 
Noah's a Noah's Ark, which was basically a boat with a bunch of uh, animals in it. Uh, there was no Noah that I can remember. I don't remember his him or his wife, but I remember the ark and all the little animals, and it was two of every kind of animal. Um, and that story is very popular, right? Uh, anybody who went to uh, church or any kind of Bible um, type uh, teaching place, you're going to know about Noah. It was in, you know, if you went to the nursery during church time, there was a little book shaped like a little boat. Um, and that was the story of Noah. So it's a very popular uh, story. And a lot of people think I, they know the life of Noah. But if you study the life of Noah, you'll see it's very different from probably what you imagine. So let's uh, take a look at it for ourselves here and see why Noah's life is used as an example of faith so um, it's chronologically apropos to jump on Noah right now after we leave Enoch next to Adam I think Enoch with his ministry as a prophet of God and his close walk with the Lord um, he would be the most famous believer of his time so everybody knew Adam because that was everybody's father right so everybody knew Adam but Enoch was famous for his ministry, his very outspoken ministry, his warning of the judgment that was to come, and for the way that he lived his life. Uh, people knew him, and they understood that God took him because of that. Uh, Enoch ministered during a time of expansion. Um, there's a lot of family multiplication from Adam by the time Enoch came along. The world was growing in population. People were living lives that were more separated from uh, Adam. And people started kind of doing their own thing. You know, Adam was pretty strict. He was like, hey, this is the way you live your life. You do this. Uh, this is what God says to do. And people pretty much, I think, listened to that and believed and embraced that because they were raised uh, believe in those things and to know that, you know, who God is and uh, that they were created by him. It was understood. Unlike the world we live in today, it was just common knowledge. Um, but people started, you know, their nature, our sin nature manifested itself. The further you get away from the authority figure, the more you decide to kind of do your own thing. And this is what was occurring uh, during this time uh, when Enoch had his ministry. It's kind of like the telephone game, you know. Uh, the message of God from Adam starts kind of losing its potency the further away you get from Adam as his generations expanded. They started doing their own thing. I mean, we see that with our own children. If, if you have children, you can see how that the older they get, the more they express themselves and they live the life that they want to live uh, and not so much the life that you may have envisioned for them. But that's just human nature. Uh, Enoch was God's answer to those who were turned from the truth. God raised up someone to proclaim his truth, to warn them that, hey, if you continue on this path, there will be judgment. 
that was the life of Enoch. That's what he did. And he did such an effective, thorough job of it that God took him. What a testimony, right? So Enoch was the ministry of God's warning during a time when men started to do whatever they wanted to instead of what pleased God. In uh, Genesis 4.19, uh, Lamech took him two wives. Now, Lamech was the son of uh, Enoch, but the... Um, was the son of Methuselah, forgive me. Lamech was the son of Methuselah, who was the son of Enoch. And uh, so uh, Lamech was the grandson of Enoch. And Lamech decided he was gonna have two wives. Now, this was not something that was accepted. It was not something that was considered okay, but there was no law against it. And Lamech says, hey, I wanna do it, feels good. I'm doing it. I feel sorry for Lamech because one wife is challenging enough. Two, uh, we've seen in other parts of scripture where that just leads to chaos. So, um, so that's what Lamech did. And Lamech had a son named Noah. So we see that Noah was born into a household of disobedience a household of willfulness. So Lamech, unlike Methuselah, decided Methuselah, want, he listened to Enoch and he grew up under the ministry of Enoch. And then when Methuselah had Lamech, he raised him to be a certain way, but Lamech decided to kind of do his own thing. And you would think, well, that's going to perpetuate and then Noah would be like Lamech, but that's not the case. Noah clearly uh, responded to the ministry of Methuselah. His grandfather had a influential ministry to him in spite of his father and his father's actions. And this just goes to show the importance and the eternal value of any ministry that you might have. Uh, be it at work, at home, when or wherever you are. What you say and how you represent God to others has an eternal weight of consequence and value. We have to understand that. And here this grandfather influenced this grandson. And we can see that uh, the role of grandparents to... Um, give wisdom, the wisdom of God to grandchildren, makes an impact on them and everybody around them. And we have to know that. And if you're having a ministry uh, that's not based in the wisdom of God, that's going to impact that child as well. So keep that in mind when you're uh, raising your children and uh, when you're having them around others who have influence, it's very important. So Noah was warned of the flood by Methuselah. We know this because Methuselah's name suggests that upon his death, the flood would come. We talked about when we were looking at Enoch, how that 
when Methuselah was born, that's when Enoch had a change in his life and he started to walk with God. And it's easy to deduce that he named his child based on the revelation that God gave him that, hey, upon the death of this child, the end will come of all flesh. And that had a great impact on Enoch and it spurred him into a relationship and a uh, ministry to the world around him. And clearly, uh, Methuselah would have been affected by that growing up in that uh, household. And Methuselah then, we can ascertain, pass those truths on to Noah. So let's take a look at uh, verse 7 and see what it says. It says, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Now, that's a small verse, and it, it's not really an historical account of who Noah was and what happened in his life. You can read that in Genesis, and we're going to reference some of that. But the key here is to understand why Noah did what he did and the results of what he did, the impact of what he did at the time of his life, and how that it has impacted us even today, even in 2022. So let's take a look at that. So we have to look at this verse in the context of the letter to the Hebrews. God is not just giving a history lesson, right? This is, there's more here than that. Noah exhibited faith in that he believed what was never seen. Well, what is that? Well, God came and told him where we're, we can ascertain, I can't say dogmatically because it's nowhere in scripture recorded that Methuselah ministered to Noah, his grandson, and told him about the, uh, the flood that was going to come upon his death. But we can safely assume that there was conversations that were had and that out of Methuselah's, Methuselah's love for his grandson, he would warn him and make him aware of their family history of his father, Enoch, and how that he ministered. And then he was not. He was famous. His father was famous. And he would have told this to his grandson. And Noah was um, rightly affected by that ministry. So when God came to him and told him it's going to rain, even though there had never been rain, Noah did not question God. He knew who was speaking to him. And if there was respect to be given to his grandfather, then how much more to the God of his grandfather? So it had never rained since the, uh, in the history of mankind. There had never been any rain. The Bible says that there was a dew that formed on the earth and it watered the earth. And that's how the, everything was watered. There was no rain that fell from the sky. So this was something that was, had never been seen. And um, yet Noah 
still believe God. God said it was going to flood, something that had never happened in the history of man. Noah was warned. Noah took action out of fear. That's what it says. It says, by faith, Noah being warned of God, so God warned him of the things not seen as yet, moved with fear. So what does that mean that he was he moved with fear? Was he terrified of the rain? Was he afraid of the judgment that was coming, that God was going to judge the entire world? And so Noah was afraid of that. No, that's not what this word for fear means. This word for fear is speaks of a reverential fear. The kind of fear that says, I know that you're powerful. I know that you can do any and all things. I know that you created me and the universe. You're worthy for me to believe and listen to. That's the kind of reverential fear that Noah dis displayed. And that didn't come just from that one interaction with God. Yes, if you're walking along and then God says, hey, and he starts talking to you and warning you about something, you're going to most likely listen to what God says. But if you add to that the context given him by his grandfather, and the ministry there, when God spoke to him, he responded. And what we're seeing here is a picture of the gospel. That's what the gospel message is. Um, God ministers to people. He calls out his people. It says he calls out the elect and they hear him. They hear his voice. And that calling usually happens over a period of time. Um, he sends people in your path and these people have something to share with you that's significant and all the chatter and the noise and the day-to-day -day, individuals sent by God have a way of piercing through that and leaving a mark. They say things that stay with you. They have a effect on your person when they're in the room and you're in the room. Um, that's, that's, the, that's how God works. And then it's culminated by one day, maybe multiple times, he will present the gospel to you. And on the day appointed, you respond positively to that message. Well, this was Noah's day. God had a message of uh, salvation through this ark and a message of condemnation through the flood. And Noah reverenced God and responded in a positive way. Um, Noah feared God. He had a reverential respect for God, for who he is and who Noah was in relationship to God. And we need to have that. If I look around and I see a lot of things in this world. You know, in my 50 plus years of living, I've noticed a few things. And one is the lack of respect for even the smallest thing. Um, 
we're losing the value of respect, even for human life, um, to the point to where we will use human lives as a bargaining chip to accomplish whatever our ends or whatever our goals are. That's the, the world we live in today. We just don't have respect. People will cut you off driving. They have no respect for your life or your safety. Um, there's a lack of respect. And it's hurting us as human beings. But that wasn't the case here with Noah. Noah was taught to reverence God. He had the influence in the ministry of uh, Methuselah to teach him to reverence God, to have a healthy fear of who God is. And here we see it playing a huge role in his life. When God approached him with the message of salvation, Noah responded positively. That's what we see. It's clear that this was a... Um, manifestation of faith because he believed God and he acted upon that belief. That's faith. And that's what, that's what the writer is trying to show us that we need to have that same reverential respect for God, that we cannot get so casual and common with God that we lose that. Now it's true that Jesus, if he appeared to any one of us right now, would call us friend. He would appear to us and approach us in a way of familiarity. Because if you've been saved for any amount of time, you've come to have a knowledge of who he is and his person and vice versa. But never forget that there are angels surrounding his throne and the only thing their only purpose is to proclaim his holiness and his righteousness and that all of heaven falls down in worship that's the god that we serve and we have to be very careful to understand our place that we are servants and that all that we have comes from him and from his righteousness, his purity, his goodness, and his worthiness. And Noah understood that. Noah knew who was talking to him. And he responded the way that anyone should to God with reverential respect. The nation Israel trembled at Mount Sinai. When God would speak, they were terrified. They were trembling in fear. Because they knew and understood the power of God. He displayed that power in a very small way. And yet it was enough. It was enough. That uh, small army of men that came to get Jesus the night of his betrayal. They fell at his feet. Uh, John 18.6 Now when he had said unto them, I am he, they went backward. And fell to the ground. So here they are to take Jesus. And 
he proclaimed, I am he, and they fell to the ground. That was, like I said, just a small display of his power and his ability. And this is the God that we serve. This is the responsibility and the response that we should have, just like Noah. So we who are called by grace, we have to live our lives in reverential fear of him. And that's not a fear of terror, like I'm so afraid he's going to hurt me. That's just a fear of respect for the power of the one who created the universe and how we we don't even deserve to say his name, even to know his name. But he has, by his grace, given us these things and allowed us to have this, this intimate connection through God, the Holy Spirit. We have to keep in mind, though, who it is we serve. Because if we do that, then we won't be afraid of anybody else. We won't be worried about what other people think or what they might think or say about us. We won't really care. Our focus should always be, my focus, your focus should always be, what does Jesus feel about this? That should be our focus, our thoughts and our mind. Like, what, what I, whatever I'm doing right now, is it pleasing to him? And if it's not, you shouldn't be doing it. I shouldn't be doing it. So we need to understand that, that our lives are short and we should spend it serving him and bringing glory to his name. So that's what, that's what Noah did. That's the, that was the response that Noah had in this case. So what we do and what we say as seen here by Noah are evidences of our respect for the name of Jesus Christ. Um, as the world likes to use his name to curse with, we should be glorifying his name. We should glorify his name not only in word, but in deed. Just like uh, Noah. Noah took action. God revealed the warning and Noah took immediately immediate action out of reverential respect. Can, can the same be said for me and you? Is that how we respond to the word of God? We have to search ourselves and ask ourselves these questions because one day we're going to stand before him and those questions are going to be answered. And we want to hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant. The only way that's going to happen is if we serve him now in spirit and in truth and we respond to his word. Um, like I said, what we do and what we say manifest our belief it manifests our reverential respect um, we're we are believers that's what they call christians why because they believe well how do they know they believe by their life that they live and so we're held to a higher standard because other people are watching People like to watch people anyway. That's kind of a common thing. But we're under a higher level of scrutiny because that's just human nature. And that's, that's what we've been called to. So we have to embrace that, that we are under scrutiny. And we must live our lives in a way that honor 
and glorifies God. And the only way you can do that is by faith. That's the only way is to respond to God in his word positively. And the only way you can do that is by faith. A lot of times I feel like that we as believers don't keep that in mind and we lose sight of our responsibility. And James had something to say about that, about the responsibility of a pure life, a life that's held to a higher standard. In James chapter three, verse 10, he says, out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. He says, my brethren, these things ought not to be. We have a responsibility to carry ourselves in a way that would exemplify all that is good about the Lord Jesus Christ so that no one could ever have a truthful thing to say against us or his name. Those of us who represent him must walk in a way that is exemplary of his holiness and his purity. Not to say that we have to be perfect because we'll never be that. But we certainly should be striving towards the high calling of the Lord Jesus Christ. The faith of Noah is seen in that he responded positively to the word of God. It says that Noah prepared an ark in verse 7. He says he was moved with fear, prepared an ark. That's what he did. That was the positive response he gave to God's divine revelation. He prepared the ark. God said, prepare an ark. He prepared an ark. Uh, Noah didn't prepare an excuse. Noah prepared an ark. Uh, and Noah didn't build a boat. You know, let's clear that up. It does not say that Noah built a boat. He prepared an ark. He built an ark. And it's very important to understand why God is so specific in, in describing what Noah built. Um, if you look up the word that's used for ark, it's basically a box, you know. He prepared a box and it's referencing clearly the Ark of the Covenant that will come later on with the nation Israel. Um, God had him build an Ark because it was a precursor to the Ark of the Covenant. Just as the Ark of the Covenant represented the salvation, the power and the grace of God, so too would this Ark of Noah be the means and ministry of God's grace and judgment. Be very careful not to move too fast through this verse. Don't miss the beauty of this reference. We saw in previous verses in Hebrews about the law and the priesthood and the high priestly ministry where there was one high priest that was chosen once a year to go in on the great day of atonement on behalf of all the people and he would go in to the Holy of Holies. Well, what was in there? The Ark of the Covenant. And you could only go in once a year. And that Ark represented God's grace and mercy for the people. And he had to go in with, with blood. He could not go in without blood. And whether, what happened in that room determined the fate 
of all the people who were outside. And here we see a precursor to that ark uh, as a picture of God's grace and mercy and also his judgment. So what did Noah do? He responded positively. He prepared an ark, but it wasn't just um, to prepare an ark, just to prepare an ark. It wasn't to go through the process or the motions so that he would have something to do for 120 years. No, the ark had a specific purpose. It says, prepare an ark to the saving of his house. So we see that this ark was significant in that it is a picture of the grace of God in salvation and saving him and his family. And it's a picture of that. And I think I believe we have to be very careful to see that reference here and take a minute and just kind of soak that in. That God has had this plan and purpose worked out far before he created anything. None of this is happening by accident or surprise. Nothing in your life is happening by accident or surprise to him. So if something is going on in your life, Know that God sent that to you. Now, that could be very hard to take because there's some very hard things that happen in our lives that we have to face. Things that you can, it's hard to even think about them without tears coming in your eyes. But we have to know that God sends these things for a purpose. And the only way we know that is through faith. Faith is what tells us that this is going to make sense when it doesn't make sense right now. Faith is what tells us that there is something ahead of me that's good when nothing looks like it could possibly be good. That is what faith is. And that's the faith that Noah displayed. Not knowing what was ahead of him. Never even seeing rain happen. He just believed God. And he did what God said until the flood came. We have to do the same thing. Even if we don't understand what's going on. If we know what the word of God says and we can stand on that, then hold on to that. That's your anchor. So when doubt comes and confusion, anger, sadness, whatever comes to blow against your, your ark, your anchor is going to be that faith that says, I'm believing God. I'm believing that God has a purpose for me, has a purpose for whatever's happening to me. And that purpose is going to be to his glory somehow, some way. And that's a tall order. I know that, but that is the faith that we have. That's the faith that was displayed by Noah. And it's the same faith that we have, the same God we serve, the same God. So Noah prepared that ark to the saving of his house. So there was a, a positive end to his um, believing God. It was his, his, his entire house was saved. Now, in contrast to that, 
Think about the number of people that were on the outside of that ark in the inhabited earth at that time. It's a lot of people. And the grace and the saving is exemplified by the fact that only Noah and his family were saved. The value of that salvation is multiplied by the number of people who weren't saved. Because each one of the people that were can look and see the fate of all of those people. And that's when you glorify God. That's when you realize, oh, this this is you you prepared this for me. You delivered me. And I'm no different from all those people on the outside. But you've manifested your grace to me. And that should cause us to want to serve him even more when we come to that conclusion. We as believers are God's house. We're fitted together, in the Bible says, as costly stones, with Jesus being the head of the corner. Jesus has removed the barrier to the Father. That's what we're seeing here. That's the picture that we have in this ark because it calls us back to the Holy of Holy. And there's a barrier. There was only one person that can go in once a year on behalf of all the people. Um, but Jesus has removed that barrier. Now we can go to the Father boldly. We can go boldly to the throne of grace, Hebrews says. That's what we have now. That's the access that we have. And it's, it's amazing that God would give that to us. Not because we deserve it, but purely out of his grace. We have no one to fear because we have the Lord Jesus. There is no fear for it. We can go boldly now. We can live a life that is bold, proclaiming the grace of God to everyone because we have nothing to fear. We only reverence God. Everyone else is subject to his power and his presence. And so what do we have to worry about? Only thing we should be concerned about is how we carry ourselves and represent the Lord Jesus to, to other people. Notice that this ark that Noah built, that he prepared, this ark was, uh, had a twofold ministry. One part, it was to save Noah and his family by the grace of God. We saw that. It says his whole house was saved. So that's one part of it, right? They were saved by the obedience of Noah and the faith in action. That's what belief is. Belief is just faith in action. When you say you're a believer, that's because you're actively displaying a life of faith. That's what that is. But also the second half of that, but also it says by which he, Noah, condemned the world. Okay. So Noah's ministry was twofold. One, I'm building this ark. It's going to rain. It's going to flood. And if you're not in the ark, you will not be saved. This is the salvation, this ark I'm building. And the world laughed at him. They thought he was crazy. What is rain in the first place? Where did you get the idea that it would ever do that? It's never done that. 
why would you think it's it would flood? It's we've been on the earth for, you know, a couple of thousand years and there's never been a flood. It sounded ridiculous. But Noah said, this is what God said. Uh, this is the same ministry that uh, Enoch had and Methuselah. And they just rejected it. It says at that time that the world was filled with violence. And that's why God was destroying it in the first place. Uh, people had turned to their own way. They were doing what they wanted to do, the way they wanted to do it. And the flesh and was manifesting itself uh, and multiplying by the minute. And things were getting worse and worse and worse. Does that sound familiar to you? Take a look around. You can see the same thing happening to us right now. The world is full of violence. And technology has done nothing but allow us to do more damage faster. So that's 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 the twofold ministry that uh, Noah had. One was the ministry of the grace of God, but there's also the warning that hey, if you're not on this ark when the flood comes, you can forget about it. And in that, Noah pronounced or proclaimed the condemnation of the world. That's the twofold ministry here. Only eight souls were saved out of the entire inhabited earth. What a small percentage of believers. And isn't that how it always is? There's always seems to be a small, a remnant that God preserves compared to the entire population of the world. I mean, do you ever feel that way? Like you're kind of outnumbered by the unsaved, maybe at work, maybe uh, in your family, um, it could be overwhelming if you just look at the sheer numbers, but we sh we're not called to look at numbers. We're called to look to the Lord Jesus. That's the only number you need to look at. Okay. And if it's just you and Jesus, then you always have the majority. If you could just, if we could just, you and I could just remember that and hold on to that we would never be afraid to represent him or to proclaim his truth. And even if you are afraid, you can be afraid, still do it, still proclaim it. Because again, you're gonna always be in the right, no matter what. That's what faith does for us. So God is a God of grace. We see that. We know that because he warned Noah and his family. He saved them. That's that's the grace of God. But remember that uh, grace delivers us, but it always delivers us from something. The very need of grace suggests that there's something to be delivered from. So that's the twofold ministry of the gospel. The proclamation of the salvation of God through the Lord Jesus, through his resurrection, his death, burial, and resurrection, all of that's wonderful, but it's because there's judgment coming. That's why you need to be saved. That's why he came. That's why he redeemed man, because at some point, our judgment, our, uh, the need for or demand for judgment is going to uh, come to its highest point, like it did right before the flood. And God executed that judgment. And that's coming again. We know that. That's going to happen again. 
And it's going to be a once for all time judgment. The ones, the one judgment that's going to happen to end all need for judgment. It's coming. And we know that. Those of us who are saved, we, we know that. And it's our responsibility in faith to proclaim that to the lost. And it's not our responsibility how they respond to it, only to proclaim it. It's very important that we understand that and that we are faithful to minister just like Methuselah was faithful to minister to Noah. And we see the result of that. We need to be faithful that same way to see other people receive the blessing and the joy of a relationship with the Lord Jesus like we have. Somebody had to be faithful to minister to us for us to be able to enjoy who we are in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's our responsibility to continue that. So what's the result of Noah's faith in God? Well, the result was the salvation of eight souls. The flood came after 120 years. We know that from other scripture. 120 years Noah spent building that ark, proclaiming to people who would come by, what are you doing? I'm building an ark. Why? Because there's a flood coming. And I'm pretty sure that he was ridiculed because of that. There was probably something that he was probably the laughing stock. And he probably got became famous because of it, but not uh, the kind of fame that anybody would desire. Uh, we have to understand that, you know, we're called to represent the Lord Jesus in faith. And that calling doesn't mean everything's going to go great and it's going to be easy. Sometimes we're going to be called to do things that are very hard, but God has grace to, for us to accomplish those things. He accomplishes those things in us. He just asks us to believe. Just believe him. That's all we have to do. Now, 120 years is a long time to have to suffer the uh, worldwide ridicule that Noah must have felt in his family. But, you know, we only live a fraction of that time on this earth. And unless you were saved at birth, you probably have not experienced, um, you won't experience even... Um, very much of that fraction. So it's just important for us to understand that this is part of serving the Lord Jesus with our life. And he's a rewarder of those that seek him. So we have to keep our eyes on him and understand that he has a purpose for us and that it's for our good. It's for our blessing. It's for our growth. It's for our maturity. It's for our strength. And he's preparing us for the next thing because there's always going to be a next thing. There's always going to be a next thing until we're with him. There's always going to be an opportunity for us to grow and for us to expand um, our faith. Noah and his family went into the ark. That's what it says in Jennifer, uh, Jennifer, in Genesis 7, 16, forgive me. It says that uh, Noah and his family went into the ark and it says, and God uh, the Lord, it says, and the Lord shut him in. So God closed the door. Noah went in the ark and God shut the door. Not Noah. It's very important to understand that. When I first 
was taught that, I was in shock. I always assumed that Noah shut the door, but he didn't. And I think it's because he couldn't. Noah was not worthy to shut the door or able to shut the door because Noah was the the beneficiary of God's grace and his mercy. And we can do nothing to earn that grace. We can do nothing to interact with that grace. That grace is given to us and it's all the work of God. So it's very significant that God would be the one to shut him in, to shut him into the place of his grace and his mercy. So the waters came and you can imagine the people when that first rain started falling, they were like, hmm, what is this? And then as the water started collecting on the ground, their hearts probably were like, whoa, wait a minute. Is this the rain? Is this what he was talking about? And you can just uh, just think about it. Imagine the droves of people as the water rose running to that ark, beating on that door, screaming, let us in, open up. But it wasn't for Noah at that point to let anyone in because now the judgment of God has come and it's not Noah can't open that door just like we can't open the hearts of men all we can do is proclaim the truth the gospel does all the work it's the power of God under salvation not the power of us so we have to keep that in mind that We've been called to proclaim the truth and we have to trust in faith that God is going to do the work. Okay. He does the work of salvation. We do the work of a bond slave. Very different. We have to keep that in mind. So verse seven says, and also Noah became the heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. It says that, you know, he prepared the ark to the saving of his house by which he condemned the world, right? They were all on the outside. And Noah became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. It's very important that we understand that Noah seized this righteousness the only way anyone can. The only way that we can be righteous is through the Lord Jesus Christ. It has to be communicated to us. We have no righteousness of our own. We have no ability to make ourselves better or to place ourselves in a position to receive anything from God. It's all of God. God even gives us the faith to believe him. And Noah, because he was given this gift of faith to believe, in turn, it was imputed to him as righteousness. So our righteousness comes from Christ. All we need to do is believe him. Just believe God. It's that simple. Just believe God. And God says to us, well done, that good and faithful servant. Just by believing. Uh, All we are 
ever told to do is to believe and to respond to God in faith. Over, over, over and over in scripture, that is the consistent message. Believe in God and respond in faith. Just like uh, Noah, we are also heirs. But we know that we're heirs of much more than just his righteousness. We're, we know that also we're heirs with Christ. We have been elevated to be heirs, joint heirs with Christ. Now, does that mean that we inherit the universe in a sense that uh, Christ does and that, you know, that everything belongs to the Father and he's given it to the Son? No. But it does mean that we are joint heirs with him in his exalted uh, ministry. The exaltation through the heavens that Hebrews says that has happened now. We share that exaltation and we're joint heirs with him in that. What does that mean for us in eternity? I can't tell you. I can't even venture to guess because it says no mind is ever no eyes ever seen, ears are never heard. Like we can't even fathom it. But I do understand his exaltation. I do understand that what he's done for me as a result of that. And I think that's what all we need to know now to really um, foster a life of faith and to give us the, the courage and the encouragement to believe him. He has secured our, our eternal inheritance. It's secured. Okay, it's done. And we can start collecting on that now. We don't have to wait till the sweet by and by and we're in heaven. We have access to him now. His grace, his power, his love. And it's all access by faith and believing him. And so let's embrace that. You know, let's encourage one another. The more we see the day coming, let's encourage one another to embrace that and to live lives that exemplify their faith. I, I pray that the Lord will reveal to you and to me the truth of this, the truth of his word, and cause us to be like Noah. And we would respond to him in reverential fear and obedience because he's definitely worthy of that. Let's close. Father, thank you so much for Noah. Thank you for the ministry that you presented to him through others like Methuselah uh, and also directly and giving him this warning. You've also given us these things. You've ministered to us through others. and You ministered to us directly through God, the Holy Spirit. And I pray, Father, that we would respond positively to you and that we would respond in a way that brings so much glory and honor to you um, through our lives, that it's pleasing to you, well-pleasing to you, Father. This can only be accomplished by your grace in us and your power, and we know that. And we commit ourselves to you as we commit this study and pray, Father, it would glorify you and that it would build us up in the faith. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.